Time for David Locke's weekly interview brought to you by the Murdoch Auto Team. And David joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. Smart Rain state of the art smart irrigation controller helps with first class water management. Visit smartrain.net to learn how to save 30 to 50% on your commercial property's water costs or call 877 346 3333. David, good morning. Well, David James, how are you? I'm good. <laughs> Patrick Kimahan. Yeah. Live from Las Vegas. Why did Bronco step down? You know, I was thinking about that. My question would be, why don't more guys do this? Because this job is so all-consuming. And how do they last as long as some of them do? You know, there's been a lot of rumors with Kyle. When's he going to retire? He addressed uh, this past week that he's having more fun than ever. So that would lead us to believe that he's going to be back next season. I don't think he's in it for the long term. But when I was thinking about Bronco, and I talked to some people last night because I was bored here in Vegas, and it did come as a surprise. But at the same time, they're talking about, well, Bronco's a different bird, right? We know that. We know he does things. He certainly speaks differently. And so they're initially surprised at that. But then when they look back and they they have time to reflect, they sort of think to themselves, well, you know, this job is just – it just consumes you. And right. how long do you want to do it? Particularly if you've got the financial situation where you don't necessarily need work, you don't need the paycheck coming in, and you can live a, a fair amount of time without money coming in, that why wouldn't you do that? That's some of the response I got back. Why wouldn't you do that? Because this job can really eat you alive and consume you. So the answer of why you wouldn't is because of the thrill of Saturday, right? And maybe, you know, hopefully sure, for most yeah. of these coaches, it's the thrill of, it's actually the thrill of Tuesday through, you know, late Friday night as much as it is the thrill of Saturday. It's the preparation and finding that little thing and finding that nugget that's going to help your guys win. You know, that there's probably, you know, it's pretty hard to replicate in anything else in life. I've always felt, and I've said this before, when Bronco was in town, one of my disappointments as a reporter was I never kind of broke through to get the sit-down because I really think, and you know him better than I do, there, there's a unique, different layer to him. You know, whether it's him on his longboard or his surfboard, or there just is, and Kyle has it a little bit too with his mountain biking and his skiing, and it's kind of, you know, not getting wowed by the Tennessee jet and all the stories. I've always thought there's a different level like Bronco had a little more depth to him, um, and I've you know the, I'd be curious to talk to people in Virginia. The, you know the story we always had was that the guy who came from New Mexico was one guy, and then he adapted and played chameleon to fit the role of the BYU head coach to, and what the church requested out of that, and and became a different person. And I wonder if he how he might have changed at Virginia to fit that mold. And so maybe he is really well prepared to whatever the next step in life is, which is just enjoying yourself. I don't know, but it's. Um, yeah, I agree. He always has seemed to be a little more grounded than a lot of other people. And we've talked about this on the show before. I do sometimes also wonder if that's not the legacy of Lavelle, right? That Lavelle was definitely more grounded than anyone else. Um, and I, I do wonder if there's still just a, a lasting legacy of what Lavelle left for these for these future coaches in an understanding of, you know, what's our, we always talk about the, the voicemail was still, hey, Patty and I aren't available right now. Like there's some, there was something to him. I think uh, Bronco hinted at, didn't completely say it, but hinted enough that some combination of uh, what the pandemic required out of coaches, which was a lot, especially in the early days, maybe a little less now, but in the early days it was a lot. Uh, The pandemic, uh, name, image, and likeness 
is not something he's going to like dealing with and getting kids more money. And the transfer portal and the lack of loyalty that can you know be perceived there, whether that's fair or not, I think all of those things uh, were things that helped push him out the door. To what degree we can debate, I don't think we know for sure, but I think they all helped push him out the door. So I have a- if I could build off, this isn't my forte. You guys know this better than I do, but if I could give one or two other thoughts here. So in regards to Kyle, you know, it makes all the sense in the world for him to wrap it at this point, particularly with what he went through with the tragedies in the team the last two years. It also might be the exact reason why he doesn't, right, in the sense that it's hard for him to sit here and figure out what is exhaustion and what is the pandemic and what is the – tragedies that the program's been through and so how do you you know when if, if if kyle steps away it that's it right like you know he's he's not one who's going to go try to hunt down the next job in some other city after walking away so you better be 100 percent certain you're right um and i wonder if there's just too much outside influence for him to make that decision right now the on the name image and likeness thing there is nothing that college football has been more fortunate to have the name image likeness with coaches leaving teams high and dry before the playoffs and taking hundred million dollar contracts. If the players weren't getting something right now, we'd have a full out revolt. Like I would say if I'm Notre Dame and I was in the playoffs and Brian Kelly just left for a hundred million and I'm not getting anything, I just wouldn't come out of the tunnel. National television, whole deal. I just wouldn't come out of the tunnel. The name image likeness that's going on right now and the transfer portal, giving the players some power, is the only thing actually saving college sports right now. I've heard the don't come out of the tunnel argument, and I get that that's a powerful message and that's you exercising your power if you're a college football player, but it'd be really hard to lift weights forever, dream of playing in that game forever, run forever, watch all that film, yeah. and then just stand there and not Changing come out. the world's hard. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, some team maybe could have done it. But they do have name, image, and likeness, and they do have the transfer portal, and they do have NFL dreams, so they're going to pursue those and just yeah, bite the their dreams, lip. Yeah, wouldn't change, by the way. The not coming out of the tunnel is going to be harder for the 40th guy in the roster than the first. He's still going to the NFL. Yeah, that's true. All right, we got to talk some jazz while we got you here, David, and we're already halfway through your segment. So, sorry, I'm watching the really jazz. Good. Yeah, I'm watching the jazz and and the losses piling up. And by losses piling up, I mean in relation to the Suns and Warriors, not in relation to everybody else in the West. And I just watching them play. Is there a little bit of? Um, Boredom's probably too strong a word. Lack of an edge. Um, it's so far to the playoffs in the biggest games, and they want to prove themselves in the playoffs in the biggest games, and they aren't quite summoning their best effort, and that's a problem. Is that as big a problem as what's going on now as, as anything when we look at how come the Jazz have dropped three or four games behind those two teams? Well, all right, so there's a lot there. One, you know, I don't think the Jazz have played great. I would also point out that, you know, if it weren't for just two very strange reviews, they'd won nine straight, right? Theoretically, sure. Yeah, I mean, I mean, they did some things to allow it once those reviews were funky to go the wrong way, and they're responsible for that. But there is a feeling, you know, I think that's worth noting. Um, you know, Donovan wasn't great there for a week, and that 
your best player taking using 22 possessions a night, not playing great, is going to make you probably look a little less good. Um, you know, I just think the misnomer was that we would pick up running from where we left off last regular season. I just don't. I'm not a believer in that in any way. I just, you know, Phoenix did, and it's wildly impressive. Or Phoenix is actually better and they've built and I, I I'm not surprised by Phoenix in the slightest. I had them considerably ahead of the rest of the Western conference in my preseason predictions. Um, they have four players who are all going to get better. Um, they had the playoff experience. I'm not, I'm not actually, I mean, winning 17 in a row is stunning, but I'm not surprised. By them. I'm a little surprised by golden state, but a little less surprised now that I see who they're playing. You know, I had them playing three youngsters, which had me making them lose in Wiseman, Kamunga and Moody. And there's, you know, either due to injury or, System, they're not playing those guys, so that makes you a lot better team to not play your young players. Um, but I'm not, um, you know, the Jazz haven't been great. I think the next month is super interesting because we play a ton of really, really good defensive teams, and so right now the offense is historically great three points better than anyone else in the league. It's, um, you know, and it doesn't even feel like it's that good, but the there's only been you know the last war, the Warrior team that won 73 games is the last team to have an offense this far above average. Um, but we play Boston as the fourth best offense, Cleveland as the fifth, Minnesota who's the seventh, Philadelphia is the fifteenth, but way better than that because Embiid missed a bunch of games. Washington is the tenth, and the Clippers who are the third, the Spurs who are the fourteenth, and the Wizards again are the tenth. So every game we play between now and December 10th is a top ten defense, and. I think that'll be a really telling sign of how we come through this next stretch on the offensive side of whether or not this team is is as good as we think it is. I don't know the answer to this, so I'm not advocating it, but I'm wondering. I didn't know the answer to DJ's last question, so we're even. Good. Well, I don't know. I'm not sure where you stand on this particular subject, so I'll throw it out there and we'll get your response. Joe Ingles starting. Uh, That's a good one. Let me guess. Let's do it. I guess right. Yes. You know why? Because I was the, the, what, well, What's the best usage of Joe, rather, as opposed to starting or not? You know, I, I don't know. I don't know the answer to it. So I'm it's not, not saying starting. they should or and shouldn't do this. It's not starting. But here's, and here's the primary reason why. Um, and that is he'd have to guard Jason Tatum tonight. And then he'd have to guard Laurie Markin. not that big a deal, but he's seven feet tall. And then he's guarding Anthony Edwards. And then he's guarding Tobias Harris. And then he's guarding maybe Bradley Beal. And then he's guarding Paul George. Like, and then he's exhausted at 33 years old. So the correct way to use Joe Ingles is that Royce O'Neal does the dirty work that we're talking about um, and plays, you know, and his value is incredible to guard the number one option for 30 minutes a night. And the there's no question that... Joe Ingles on the floor instead of Royce O'Neal offensively. The defenders are a step closer to Joe than they are to Royce, and it opens up everything uh, a little bit more. Royce shoots the three well, but he also gets the most open looks of, over the last two years of anyone in the league. Um, so, yeah, Joe opens up the offense for everybody else a little bit more. What I think we learned in the last two games is that is that, that lineup is viable um, because that actually was the lineup that we all thought was going to be the death lineup version for the when the Warriors had their lineup nobody could guard. And if you recall, two years ago, it was a disaster and didn't work at all. And so they've really stayed away from that lineup 
for most of the last two years. And I think the, what they picked up was that maybe for whatever reason, this iteration of the game or the jazz, this lineup is, is worth it. Like it, you know, um, and it, and that it works. And so, um, I think that's a, that's a vastly different, um, kind of weapon that they haven't had. They haven't been willing to go to that lineup. I don't, you know, I don't know how you get to it very often, um, but the best way to use Joe is, I think actually as a spot up shooter, he wants to play with the ball in his hands. He played with the ball in his hands very well, but he, you know, he, he's a great spot up shooter and he needs to get out and run and be in front of the offense. The way Boyan is Boyan uses 25% of his possessions in transition. The more I've got Joe sprinting the floor to the corner, open early, maybe even to the high quadrant. He's the second best shooter in the NBA in the first eight seconds of the shot clock over the last three years. Like, get out and run. Don't go back for the ball. Get out and run. Then, if whoever brought the ball up the floor doesn't have something, you want to use him as a secondary pick-and-roll player, that's great because he's good at that. But I want him out running, and I want him out in front, and I want him shooting that three early in the shot clock. Are they running less this year? My eyes deceive me. Do the numbers match what I think I'm seeing? They're running the exact same. Okay. Do you want me to geek out with you and give you those numbers? Or no, I trust you. I trust you. Okay. I won't remember the numbers anyway. So. 13 possessions in the first six seconds of the shot clock this year. Um, same amount as last year. They're the number one team in the league in those possessions. Um, and it ranks 17th in the NBA, so it's a little below average. Um, but they are, and they're the number one team in the league in those shots. But I think last year they were taking either 13 or 14 shots in the first six. Uh, last year they were taking 13 as well. And they were 18th in shots in possession. This year they're 17th. Exact thing. Come on. Talk about them not. Come on, wait a second. I need what? a little from you. I've known you for 25 years. Like, Give him just had that. He needs it. I need a little love. I just had that. Right there. Slow clap. There you go. Okay, Everybody's you. doing the brand new dance now. Come on, thank you. Baby. That's what I needed. I needed a song. Slow clap. <laughs> slow clap from DJ. A song from PK. My world's fulfilled. I'm there good. Let us know what helps you. And James. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. That's our studio audience there applauding. <laughs> All the people who get up to watch us early in the morning. <laughs> That's boring. <laughs> you say that you, you weren't sure, you didn't think, you didn't expect the team to get off to, to continue where they did off of last year. I thought they did. I thought they got off to a great start. I consider their start exceptional. And then they got a little bit of a lull, which if I look at it from that perspective, doesn't really surprise me. Okay, you got a little bit of a lull. What to do? It was going to happen. It's going to happen. So I thought they got off to the great start, and then they had the lull. So, and I just assume they have the lull now. Get it out of the way. It's like a, a couple of weeks ago. I had uh, my yearly sickness, and I'm hoping that that's it. Usually, I get sick once a year, and I had it, and I was down for a couple of weeks, and now I'm thinking, all right, hopefully, knock on wood, that I should be good the rest of the year. Is that a, is a fair assessment? I didn't think they started great. Um. So I didn't. Well, they were like seven and one or something, weren't they? Yeah. Yeah, but um, lost to Chicago. Chicago. Maybe not their own fault, but um, so lost to Chicago, which was fine. Chicago's good, but the Milwaukee win was pretty uninspiring because they're missing four of their five starters, right? 
Um, yes, yes. You know, beat Atlanta, who was a mascot, lost to Miami, lost to Orlando. We, I mean, we weren't nine and one. So, um, yeah, I just didn't. I just don't think we played like. I think it's incredible. We're what fifteen and seven or whatever we are. I just don't think we've really like. There's little signs of it. Like there's little tiny signs of what all the things they're working on coming together. Could be who they played, but one note of interest is that over the last five games, Rudy Gobert suddenly contesting three more shots a game than he was in the first 15 games of the year. That's a really big number, and that's everything they're trying to do is when everyone comes in every night and tries to move Rudy away from the ball, they're trying to get Rudy back to the ball. Um, for the first time, we had a head coach the other day in Chauncey Billups, like openly admit it. Like for what all you do, they still bring Rudy back to the middle every play. And, you know, we've had coaches – you know, I think what I've noticed more than anything this year, and this is actually what makes what Phoenix is doing so impressive, is I just feel like teams are wildly well prepared for the Jazz this year. Like, it's clear that the league studied the Jazz in the offseason. Rightfully so. They went 52 and 20. That's what happens. You know, they studied the box, and the box kind of last year, and the box kind of had a similar start to their season as this. Um, and they, you know, they studied the Jazz. It's why it's abundantly clear to me that this team has been studied and prepared. And I think it's great because the goal here is to be ready in Game 70, 75, and eighty, much more than being ready in Game twenty three. This is a great six games. This December month is a great test for can the defense dominate bad offensive teams, and can the offense perform against high level defensive teams? That's kind of the story of December, uh, and I think that'll be. You know, they're playing really, really good defensive teams that are all different. Boston switches more than any team in the NBA. Cleveland has three seven-footers. Like, oh, wow, that's like that's going to be really weird for us. We're small. Um, and Cleveland runs a ton out of that, which is even more kind of unique. Um, so I think it's just a, every night's a test, and these teams are well-prepared. And if you actually look at our losses um, for a while there, you know, so Chicago's Billy Donovan, who's played a playoff series against us. Miami's Eric Spolster, the biggest film guy in the world. Orlando's Jamal Mosley, who was Dallas's number one assistant and had the Jazz scout in the, for the playoffs. Indiana's Rick Carlisle, who was at Dallas getting ready to play the Jazz in the second round of the playoffs. Like you suddenly ran through our losses. Memphis, who played us in the playoffs last year. You know, they were all teams that had an extra level of scouting to prepare for us for a regular season game than you, than you would naturally have. All right, David, as always, we appreciate it. A two-part interview, half college football, half jazz and NBA. Well, well done. I mean, if I'm going to come on your show, I should interview you for the first part because I have the luxury of having access to two of the you know, the best ever. Flattery will get you everywhere, David. It should. <laughs> it often does. PK. Yes. You're marvelous. <laughs> oh, thank you. It's- and he'd like two tickets to tonight's game. He'll he'll be down. You've got ten minutes to stop. <laughs> Have fun in Vegas. I will. I am. Don't do anything I wouldn't do. Not happening. Probably is happening. David would be breaking down <laughs> NBA stats, so don't do that. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be sitting on a big screen with seven games going on going, this is awesome. <laughs> yeah, right. All right, David, we appreciate it. Thanks a lot. See you guys. David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz. It's the Jazz and the Celtics tonight, 7 o'clock. Jazz last home game before they head out on the road. Coming up next, Mark Madsen, UBU with a big win. They take down BYU, but that's not their 
only good win so far. It's their best win, but they've had some other good ones, and we'll talk with him next. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.